Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's now time to enter the Sports Zone with your host, Bob Kemp. Larry off the bounce, out of Iowa chasing him, out of Iowa so personal defensively. Jokic throws it up for Gordon. Aaron Gordon again moving without the ball. Murray, Jokic throws it inside to Gordon. Oh, another great touch pass, and Gordon with a beautiful finish. Down to four, down to three. Chris Paul for three. Yes! 15 points in the first quarter for the future Hall of Famer. That's why he's going to the zone. Zones have an advantage up top to Aiton. Time to eat. And there you go. There's no way they can guard the Suns with three potential seven-footers out there on the floor. That's headed toward the left field corner. And that ball is gone. It's a grand slam for Corbin Carroll in Detroit. And it's 9-2. This kid is unbelievable. He just snuck it inside the left field foul pole and just over the line out there. The 0-1. And that's belted deep to right, and you can't kiss that one goodbye. Number one for Alvarez into the second deck, and the Astros trail by a run. It's 3-2 Chicago. The 3-1. Hit in the air, deep right field. Brennan going back to the track, to the wall. It's gone. Right center field. The polar bear plunges one into the Cleveland bullpen. It's a game-tying grand slam for Pete Alonzo. McClanahan delivers. Swing on a miss. He struck him out with a changeup. And that right there was just some kind of sequence from McClanahan. He showed Garcia why perhaps he should be the starting pitcher for the American League of the All-Star game. He is really starting to carve hitters out. Takes the big deep breath. He works. Breaking ball. Grounded to second. Picked up by Walls. To wander one. Throw to first. In the dirt. Rays win. Yandy Diaz pulls it out of the dirt. And a double play ends the series. And the Rays win the series against Texas today by the final score of 7-3. to three. There's Cook. Dalvin Cook picks Uh-oh. up a first down. Still going. Inside the 30. Cook inside the 10. The 5. Touchdown. 53 yards in his return home. Dial 602-260-1060. That's 602-260-1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's your sports own guide, Bob Kemp, on KDUSAM1060. Welcome to the Monday, June 12th edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis. In today's Sports Zone, right here on KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD 2 100.7. The finals, who you got ATS in tonight's Game 5. The Suns, do they contend next season if Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton do not return? The Diamondbacks, what stood out during the weekend sweep at Detroit? Around Major League Baseball, who will be missed the most, Jordan Alvarez or Pete Alonso? And what stood out over the weekend? The Dolphins, should they be favored to win the AFC East if they sign Dalvin Cook? 
And what else caught your eye since our last show? Here's today's scheduled lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday. In moments, we have the introduction of today's pipeline. 9.15, an NBA Finals update with Matt Brooks of Nuggets.com. 9.30 will be interactive action at 602-260-1060 and also the local roundup topped by some uh, Diamondbacks and uh, Tigers weekend analysis. Meanwhile, final segment of the Sports Zone will be the National Roundup. That will be topped by the latest line and also from the baseball scoreboard. And then after the Sports Zone, from 10 to noon, will be the Extra Point hosted by Kayla. That will include more of tonight's NBA Finals Game 5 a preview, and also uh, more weekend baseball, including more Diamondbacks and Tigers. On to the pipeline we go. Time for today's pipeline, where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. And we start with the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. Today's question is, who you got tonight? ATS, Denver minus nine, or Miami plus nine? And Kayla is here and has the early returns. Denver minus nine, 80% of the vote. Miami plus nine, 20%. For you historians out there, the Nuggets at home this uh, postseason uh, have lost one time. But that loss was in their last home game in this series against the Heat. By the way, all-time teams leading 3-1 in the finals have gone 35-1. and They've won the series 35 or 36 times. The lone loss over that stretch was when Draymond Green got suspended when the Cavaliers and the Warriors were playing. And the Warriors uh, blew that lead, and the Cavs came back and won. Meanwhile, today's Twitter poll question, are the Suns' chances of contending next season gone? If Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton do not return, and Kayla, what do we have here? No, 61.1% of the vote. Yes, 38.9%. This is on Twitter at KDUS AM 1060. Last week's Paul rumors included a seemingly absurd trade and sign deal to Philadelphia for James Harden with the Suns also you know, talk about uh, them waving last week uh, that uh, they would wave Paul. There's also been speculation that the Lakers and the Warriors would be amongst the possible landing spots, landing spots, excuse me, and also the Knicks for Paul. The eight and trade speculation has been out there, I think, since about the time the the second that the Suns were eliminated by the Nuggets, maybe even before they were eliminated in that game. Right now, the Suns with Paul and Aiton with them have just four other players under contract for next season. Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, Cam Payne, and also Landry Shamit. Also on the local front, the Diamondbacks swept the lowly Tigers. Sunday's four-run ninth-inning explosion bailed out a struggling Zach Gallen. Uh, the uh, the uh, the Diamondbacks are now 40 and 25 in their over the first 65 games this season. That ties the best franchise start in in club history. What stood out during the Diamondbacks three-game weekend sweep at Detroit? Meanwhile, spanning the globe, Friday was a bad injury day around Major League Baseball. Jordan Alvarez and Pete Alonso, as expected, were placed in the injured list, while Chris Sale was removed from the 15-day list, actually just moved from the 15-day list to the 60-day injured list. There's actually some speculation that he is out for this season. Who will be missed the most? Let's just go with the Alvarez and Alonzo question here. 
Who's going to be missed the most? The Astros losing Jordan Alvarez or the Mets missing Pete Alonzo? Also from the injury front on Sunday, ESPN's Buster Olney reported that Aaron Judge might not rejoin the Yankees on the playing field until after the All-Star break. And the White Sox placed Liam Hendricks with an elbow injury at the 15-day IL after he was inexplicably used extensively immediately after his return from the non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Meanwhile, first place Tampa, the first place Rays, won two out of three this weekend over the first place Rangers. Not only do the Rays have the best record, 48-20, and 20, in Major League Baseball, they now have the best record, the best winning percentage against teams above 500 at 22-13. and 13. Other than the Rays and Rangers, what else caught your eye during the baseball weekend? From the NFL, the Dolphins, who tried to trade for Dalvin Cook in March, according to ESPN's Jeff Darlington, are interested in signing Cook who was released last week by the Vikings. By the way, reports out of Denver indicate that the Broncos are not interested in Cook. So, should the Dolphins be favored to win the AFC East if they sign Dalvin Cook? Also, in addition to all these excellent questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show? All right, that's the pipeline for today. We will get to all these tremendous topics and much more during today's sensational radio program. Anything else on your mind falls into the general discussion categories, whether it's in the pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602-260-1060, or you can tweet the show at KDUSAM1060 or twitter.com slash KDUSAM1060. Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this. Coming up next, Corey, we'll have a news update. That'll be followed by an NBA Finals update with uh, Matt Brooks of, of uh, Nuggets.com. The Nuggets uh, one victory away tonight, possibly, uh, from winning the NBA championship for the first time. Also, once again, at the bottom of the hour, phone call time, 602, general discussion, 602-260-1060. Plus, we'll get to the local roundup. We'll have some Diamondbacks and Tigers weekend analysis at that point. Then, of course, we'll round it out with the uh, National Roundup today. That will include a little more on uh, tonight's game in Denver, the latest line, and the injury update on Tyler Hero. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Castlex HD 2 100.7. downloaded the KDUS AM 1060 skill for Alexa yet? Food. Alexa is frustrated. No matter how many times do you ask, the answer is mail, chicken. Once you're ready, say Alexa, open KDUS AM 1060 to listen to your favorite shows. Back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD 2 100.7. You're home with the Dan Patrick Show live Monday through Friday from 6 to 9 a.m. The Nuggets are one win away from the first ever NBA championship. Out to the KDUS hotline we go. 
We are now joined the sports zone once again by Matt Brooks of Nuggets.com. And Matt, good to have you on the show once again. And the Nuggets, they were 19 and 22 on the road during the regular season. They've now won five straight road playoff games over the last three series. What are the biggest reasons for this significant improvement on the road? Probably the defense. I've held Miami under, well, 95 below in three games of this final. Um, you know, the last two of them owed a really good job of limiting Miami's three-point shooting. So I think that's probably your biggest thing, especially in this series. Um, holding Miami, who came into the finals with the best three-point shooting of any team, to 32% or below in the game, has played a massive role in what we've seen from Denver on the road. After that, we'll stop at home at game two. Going back to Game 4, a University of Arizona alum, Aaron Gordon, had a career playoff most 27 points, 15 of those in the second quarter. He also had seven rebounds and six assists. And we've discussed Gordon over our chats during the past few weeks here, but he just continues to excel. So how has he reached this level of play? Just a good series. You know, I mean, he's, he's a great player, great player, uh, probably been the Nuggets third best player throughout this entire playoff run. Um, just really, really consistent. But the series is great for him because of his size. He's six foot eight, two hundred thirty five pounds. Um, and you know, you think about how Miami started out in this series. They had Caleb Martin guard him, who's I think thirty pounds lighter than him. So it's just been really easy for Gordon to get to his spot, post people up, back people down and just be a physically imposing force um, to the degree that Miami was forced to upgrade uh, Kevin Love to the starting lineup in Game 2. That's something they stuck with. And even so, uh, Denver's done a really good job of getting Gordon the ball in his spot. Game 4, you saw him um, get a lot of matchups in transition, where he's matched up with somebody like Gabe Vincent, and he's taking that side of the rim. It used him as Miami's switching defense, which has given him matchups against guys like Gabe Vincent, um, Max Struess, and even Caleb Martin. And, and he's just been really good about, you know, punishing Miami in every single one of those situations when he has a smaller guy on. Also in game four, the Nuggets, after Jokic got his fourth and fifth fouls there really quickly, uh, back-to-back in the fourth quarter, they only lost one point over the next five minutes and 16 seconds with Jokic on the bench. How did they manage to hold or hold their own during that stretch? I mean, really, like the bench scoring has been the kind of the storyline of the last two games. You know, you have Christian Brown come off the bench in game three, got 15 points, fourth rookie to do so in the last 20 years. Uh, and then, you know, you look at game four, and it's Bruce Brown who's coming off the bench, 21 points, you know, sits in the top 20 for the most points by a reserve in the NBA Finals. Um, so I think that's been a big part of it. Jamal Murray's hit some really, really big shots during that stretch. And then you even get, like, in game four, Jeff Green hits the corner three. Um, just they've gotten a little bit from everybody, but I think, I think for Denver has just been their production has been great shooting 48% uh, from Nicole Jokic is off the floor, which is, you know, from Miami's hot shooting, maybe even being an outlier. I say the same thing about Denver's reserves. Just the way that they're shooting the three-pointer has been, and it's a giant reason they're in the position that they're in. You mentioned Bruce Brown. He was great. Uh, 11 fourth-quarter points last Friday night. 
Now, you cover Brown with the Nets, so how much has Brown improved and what, what has he specifically improved upon the last uh, you know 12 months or so? Yeah, I'm happy you point that out. I, I've probably seen more Bruce Brown than maybe anybody who's covering the Nuggets because, I, again, I covered him. So I've seen his evolution uh, really as a player over his entire career. You know, he comes into the league with Detroit. You know, a slasher, I would probably best describe him as the just to his role completely changed. He's used green. He's rolling to the rim, taking floaters. He's passing a three-point shooter. He's, he's essentially playing as a center. And then he goes to Denver. handler. So he's running full more. He's getting the ball more in position and taking it up himself instead of just finishing plays. So to me, like I, I honestly find Bruce Brown to be one of the most fascinating players in the league. And really one of the most valuable role players that we've seen. The role has changed so much every single And he's been able to do not just a good job, but like an excellent job and have huge playoff performances throughout his career. I'm talking with Matt Brooks from Nuggets.com. I believe Brown's a free agent this offseason. Is there any chance that we'll be able to re-sign him or has he priced himself out of Denver? Probably priced himself out. That would be my guess. Uh, you know, like it would have to be crazy you know, discount if he was to stay with Denver. And I, I just don't think that's going to happen. Um, he's probably, I mean, I would say he's definitely got a contract below his, what his market value probably is last two times or pre-agency. So, yeah, I would guess that he gets a big payday elsewhere. And he's really earned it. I mean, he's just been, again, said, so memorable career. I mean, you mentioned the Nuggets' defensive numbers have uh, been so good, and especially, you know, the three wins this series. Why have they improved so much at the defensive end during these playoffs? It just hasn't been this series. Communication is the thing that Dave mentioned. Um, I think that's been the biggest thing for them. They're just on the same page with what defensive schemes they're running. I think they've also, to me, they've done a really good job of tailoring their defense to their opponents. So you look at this series, again, Miami, um, they start out, they're, they're helping pretty aggressively on somebody like Jimmy Butler trying to take away his shots at the rim. But what that concedes is three-pointers. In the last two games, Miami's taken 35 and then 25 three-pointers. And you've just seen their three-point numbers, not only in terms of accuracy, but in terms of attempts as well, um, decline throughout the entire series. That's because Denver shifted their defense. They started hugging those three-points a bit more, making sure that guys like Max Struess Evans and uh, Duncan Robinson aren't getting easy looks. And I think that's been the biggest thing for them is they've just been malleable throughout these playoffs. They've done whatever they've really needed to do to take down that opponent, and they've been on the same page. Michael Malone has uh, made seemingly all the right moves this postseason. As we mentioned, uh, you weren't covering the Nuggets until this year. But what, what's the prevailing opinion from your local colleagues who have been around for with the, the Nuggets for a while, why has Malone, at least from afar, seemingly been better this offseason, uh, excuse me, this postseason as a, as a head coach? Well, he's got a healthy roster, I think, is a big part of it. Um, but, yeah, I, think he, I mean, he's a player's coach, so he's always had relationships with the guys on the team. But he just pushed the right button throw. I mean, you look at somebody like Christian Brown, that's a rookie who's played real minutes in the NBA Finals. I don't know. I mean, again, I haven't covered them for that long, but is that somebody that would have played a couple of years ago for Malone? I'm not really sure. Point is, he's playing now and he's producing. Um, and I just 
pushed all the right buttons. Rotations have been great. I mentioned the minutes where Jokic is sat. They've actually won those for like the first time. Um, so I think in a sense, he's done such a good job in terms of his game plan, in terms of keeping his guys engaged. Um, you know, and, and here we are. They've lost four playoff games in the playoff run. It's, it's wild. Jamal Murray, uh, 12 assists and zero turnovers in game four. He's had 10-plus assists in all four games of the finals. As someone who's watched the Nuggets all season, how surprised are you or are you surprised with this uh, you know, recent Murray assist outburst? <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, I'm scoring being one of them. I think Murray's playmaking and passing leap has been – one of the biggest, if not the biggest, of these NBA finals. Uh, I've been so impressed with the reads that he's made. Uh, you've looked at how Miami's defended that two-man game between him and Jokic. Actually sent two guys free play and pressured him that way to make him a passer. And he's earned them for consistently for the last two games. It's sensational in game four with how quick he was to get off the ball, find somebody like Jokic find somebody like his, one of his open teammates. And that's something, I mean, I want to write about that when the, when the finals are done. Um, because I think it is a huge, huge part of why Denver has taken care of business the way they have against the Miami team that does things that you maybe wouldn't expect defensively. Like on paper, you wouldn't think, hey, you know, there's the Denver's running pick and roll between Murray and Jokic. You wouldn't think about, hey, let's send two guys at Murray and potentially leave Jokic open. But I think their idea was maybe we can get this guy to, you know, cough up the ball on a turnover or take a bad shot when he's got two guys coming at him. And that just hasn't been the case. And I think it's a huge testament to Murray's growth as a passer. Um, it's, it's, and it's wild. It's happened kind of in this series. You can see it happening in front of you. So it's been really cool. I'm happy you brought that up. It's, um, it's one of my favorite things, I think, about this final. Talking Nuggets with Matt Brooks of Nuggets.com. One more win, and the Nuggets win their first NBA championship. Michael Porter, though, still struggling. He did have 11 points, but, you know, 4 out of 10 in game 4. But I got my numbers right here, 12 of 41 in the series. Is he just missing shots, or have the Heat done something to basically you know, slow him down? Yeah, I think they, the Heat have done a really good job with, you know, sticking someone to him um, and, and just making sure that his looks aren't completely uncontested. He was the best wide-open three-point shooter in the regular season. So that was clearly a part of their game plan is to say, hey, we just don't want that guy getting any airspace. Um, I actually thought in game four, uh, Michael Porter did a really good job of being involved offensively. He had a couple was moving well off ball, not just along the three-point line, but getting to the basket and using his Size at six foot ten to get you know buckets for himself, two pointers. So um, yeah, I think he's adjusted to it. But Miami deserves a ton of credit for how they've defended him and how locked in they've been on making sure he's not getting their space. The Nuggets uh, nine and one at home this postseason, but the loss was game two against the Heat. D- does that loss have anything to do with what uh, might happen tonight in your mind? Uh, I mean, I think that loss. That was an outlier performance. Like they, they, I mean, I think they mentioned it after they allowed something like 40 points um, on just basic mistakes defensively. And even just watching that game, see all these open looks from Miami that Denver just hadn't been giving up throughout this playoff run. So, I mean, 
for me, I'm going to say no. I, I don't think you should expect that coming into this game. But that certainly all depends on the depends on what their mindset is, how locked in they are. I would assume with the opportunity to close this out, win at home, um, and, and really end this series, I would assume they'll be pretty locked in. But if that isn't the case, then, yeah, maybe you have something that, that looks a little bit like game two where they're allowing more open looks and just generally not being on the same page as much. You know, the Heat, you know, dumped the zone defense in game four, but Jokic still had just four assists. Any ideas if Eric Spolster has anything left to throw at the Nuggets tonight, or is he just maybe kind of out of tricks at this point? Uh, you know, I'm never going to doubt Eric Spolstra, uh, so I'll start there. But I do think, generally speaking, when you're in a game five, game six, in a series, it's pretty rare that a team is holding on to an adjustment, especially when they're down 3-1. You know, I mean – at that point, you're kind of in the danger zone. So if you're holding on to things, you may even hurt your team at a certain point. So I would guess probably not, but Bolster is, you know, one of the best in the business. Like that guy, <laughs> if there's anybody that still has an adjustment in his back pocket, it's it. All right, so bottom line, do the Nuggets finish this off tonight? I will go, I'm going to guess yes. I, I think so. Um, I, I think that... You know, you look at a, the games that they've lost throughout these playoffs have actually been really important in their journey. You look at game four against Minnesota, um, opportunity to close out a sweep. They took their foot off the gas. And I think they learned a lot from that. And you go all the way forward to the series against the Lakers. Uh, game four was like their best performance of that entire uh, series in the Western Conference Finals. I think a lot of that came from how they played in game four against Minnesota. So you look at this now, they're coming back home. They have to winning performance where they just looked they just didn't look locked in honestly in, in game two um, you know at home that was their most recent home game uh, now you're coming back to home I've, I would guess they will do something from that game too so yeah I, I think I think they will close it out Matt we really appreciate it this has been great uh, we've talked for roughly uh, time to time over the last month and uh, we appreciate all your uh, input and uh, knowledge and, and so forth. And uh, thank you very much. And uh, we'll look forward to doing it again uh, maybe next season, huh? <laughs> yeah, that sounds fun to join you all guys. All right, thanks, Matt. It's been a, pl- been, a, been a blast. Thanks a lot. Matt Brooks of Nuggets.com. Great stuff, as always, for Matt. Next segment of this phone call time, if you want to get in, 602-260-1060. Also, today's local roundup. That'll be topped by uh, Diamondbacks and Tigers. So some weekend analysis, if time, we'll get a little more into uh, the Chris Paul, uh, you know, just mainly the Chris Paul stuff out there. There's been a few other things out there involving the Sens over the weekend and will some strategical point either in the next segment or during the extra point hosted by Kayla over the next two hours. Get to those uh, items, a couple of them, at least the ones that I've, I've seen or noticed and been told about it. Uh, so we'll uh, kind of dance, dance around that a little bit to some extent. Meanwhile, uh, you also know, don't forget the final segment of this hour. It'll still be the National Roundup. We'll have an update of tonight's uh, NBA Game 5, the final game possibly in Denver of uh, the NBA season. And uh, we'll get to uh, some baseball scoreboard from the weekend. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUSAM 1060 and KSLX HD2 100.7. Teams Out West brings NFL, NBA, MLB, and local sports talk to you Monday night starting at 7 on KDUSAM 1060 and the KDUS 1060 app. It's time for today's local roundup. 
Sports Center with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLUX HD 21.7. In addition to the local roundup, it is phone call time. We got time and uh, we got plenty of time in this segment, and we have room for you if you want to jump aboard. 602-260-1060 in this general discussion. Meanwhile, topping today's local roundup, the Diamondbacks have a uh, season-most three-and-a-half game lead over the Dodgers, which had a real bad bad week last week at Cincinnati and Philadelphia. Arizona has now won 20 of of its last 27 games after they won three games of three over the weekend at Detroit. Detroit has now lost 11 in a row. Detroit has 19 runs total in their last nine games. Corbin, uh, Corbin Carroll continued his excellent level of play. On Friday night, Carroll homered twice, including his first career Grand Slam. On Sunday, he was 3 out of 5, scored tri- uh, twice, and drove in a run during the ninth inning as the Diamondbacks rallied for four runs in that ninth inning in a 7-5 to five victory. Carroll receiving praise throughout baseball from his general manager to ESPN's Tim Kirchin, and I'm sure places in between that I'm not aware of. But uh, let's start with Mike Hazen, who appeared Sunday morning on the SiriusXM MLB channel. And uh, he even admitted, uh, Hazen did, that Carroll being this good this season is surprising within the organization. Kirchin, during Sunday night's MLB countdown to Sunday night baseball, he included Carroll among his National League MVP candidates. Not Rookie of the Year, because he's going to win that. But around his, uh, he had a list of MVP candidates, and Carroll was included near the top of that. Meanwhile, on the mound for the Diamondbacks over the last three days, Friday, Merrill Kelly was good. Uh, going six and a third innings, allowed three runs on seven hits, two walks. On Saturday, Ryan Nelson was the winning pitcher for just the third time in 13 starts this season. He did not allow a run in five and one and uh, five and two thirds innings. Excuse me, five and two thirds innings, allowing four hits and uh, two walks while striking out four. On Sunday, Zach Gallen was surprisingly bad and ineffective. Allowed five runs on ten hits and two walks, five strikeouts. But the Diamondbacks got him off the hook with that ninth inning rally. Kevin Ginkle, the unsung hero on Sunday, was the winning pitcher after two shutout innings in the seventh and the eighth innings. Gave the Diamondbacks a chance to win it in the ninth. Andrew Chafin allowed a hit and got one out in the ninth before Scott McGuff got the final two outs for the save. Tori Lavello electing to go with McGuff instead of Miguel Castro uh, was, uh, you know, I think, interesting, but not surprising because Castro allowed another home run during the Friday night victory. Up next, the Phillies winners of uh, two out of three over the weekend against the Dodgers. They invade Chase Field for the first of a four-game series tonight. The Diamondbacks tonight scheduled to start Tommy Henry, who is three and one with a five. Uh, excuse me, a four thirty-seven. Three and one with a four thirty-seven earned run average. The Phillies scheduled to go with a bullpen game, and that will include uh, left-hander Max Strom. And there's some speculation whether he's actually going to start or you know be. There's an opener, and then Strom will pitch the bulk innings and so forth. But Strom, four and three with a 360 run, uh, 361 earned run average thus far this season. Meanwhile, the listed Tuesday probables are Kyle Davies for the Diamondbacks. He's one and one with a 468 run average. Couple good starts now since he came off the uh, injured list 
oh, two and a half weeks, approximately two and a half weeks ago. Kyle, uh, Zach Wheeler goes for the uh, for the uh, Phillies in this game tomorrow. At least he's scheduled as of right now. Four and four with uh, with a let's see, four and four with a three ninety one earned run average for Mister Wheeler. Uh, Wednesday, Merrill Kelly, as we mentioned, pitched Friday night. He's now eight and three on the season with a two sixty two earned run average against Ranger Suarez. One and two with a four seventy earned run average. Then on Thursday night. Uh, excuse me, Thursday afternoon. That's a matinee on Thursday. Thursday afternoon, uh, neither team has announced a starting pitcher. So we'll uh, just kind of wait and see what happens between now and Thursday. All right, on the phone lines we go. Matt in Phoenix. Hi, Matt. Uh, how you doing? How was the weekend? Oh, okay. How about you? Good. Not too bad. Relaxing. Um, All right. So before you had talked about what Kurt said, I was going to call you and say, could we make a case that Corbin Carroll's fourth right now in the NL MVP voting if we were to do that? Uh, I mean, it's pretty incredible what this kid's doing. Who are the first three guys? Uh, Acuna, Freeman, and Luis Arise. Ooh, well, yeah, well, the Marlins are much better than they anticipated. Yes. Yeah, it's going to be – the metric people are not going to root for Urias no matter what he does. Because uh, he doesn't hit home runs. He doesn't steal yep. bases. He's not a particularly good fielder. So, you know, all those things would be cases against that. Some of those are legitimate cases against him in a I way. I agree with that. Also, if you ask people to cover the Braves or, you know, if you watch a lot of Braves, you can make a case that maybe Acuna is not their most valuable player on that team. I get the league-wide thing, but uh, okay. what, they're getting, what they're getting behind the plate is yeah, pretty Randy important. Yeah, Murphy's been terrific. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, he has. Yeah. Um, and he was really good in Oakland. They just – people didn't really know it and – Offensively, Correct. I know how how much he was impacted by that ballpark. And getting out of there it's obviously made a world of, of difference. Absolutely. I'll add one more thing, too. With all the pitchers the Braves have gone through, you know, what he's done uh, with that That's pitching staff is really yep. important. Um, question for you. Uh, would the Phillies consider trading Aaron Nola here if they don't pick up the pace? Maybe. I mean, he's already turned down a contract extension, right, if I remember correctly. I believe correct? so, yeah. Yeah. Um, also, he, he hasn't himself been out great. of some money, hasn't he? <laughs> I think so. But you know, I, I, the market, I don't have any idea, quite frankly, who's a, you know, who's a free agent as far as pitchers go. I don't have a list. I haven't seen a list. I haven't been looking for a list or whatever. But I'm guessing that Pretty much no matter what he does, there's not going to be too many pitchers that are going to be yep, more highly sought of than he will be um, if he actually enters free agency. So I think it's possible. Uh, I think they actually have – I'm curious to watch them play for four games here this week because the see, you know, I've watched bit, you know, pockets of, of the, Bray, of the uh, Phillies. The worst thing is, as I've watched them play – Watch them play too many games against the Mets and the Braves, who they never beat. Uh, uh, other than that, they seem to be okay. But uh, they, I did watch them a couple of games this weekend against the Dodgers, and you know, they uh, I was watching the Philadelphia broadcast in at least one of those games, and they seemed to, in 
they don't think they're you know they're not homer guys i don't think for the most part but they they seem to think they've got some guys that are coming around obviously turner really came around last week and seemed like yeah. he was on base almost every at bat you think noah's more of a sunny i mean i know philadelphia is a, a big market got some got a rabbit fan base but could you see nola in in new york for instance or is he more of a uh, i don't know I, I don't think texas needs a starting pitcher but i know he's from the south so maybe atlanta um i, I just trying to think for the mets here and obviously they're going to be in the market for some starting pitching but i i don't know that he's a new york kind of fit i think he'd be okay i mean it's not easy pitching to philadelphia That's fair. um he's for Ballpark the most part been included he, Exactly, and their bad defense included. Yeah, true, uh, true. And, and he and he's a ground. He, he's you know he gives up a lot of for a guy that gives is supposed to be a ground ball pitcher. He gives up some home runs, but uh, he does. He's always yeah, so, in the strike zone. I think that's got something to do with it. That's a very good point. Uh, no question about that. So yeah, he'd be an intriguing dude. Um, so we'll see. That's uh, between now and uh, this whole wild card thing is going to be interesting because I'm not sure how many teams are actually going to be uh, you know, the buyers and sellers thing. You know, we're like you know 50 days away or whatever it is, yep. less than no, that I now, I guess. I have no idea yeah, what's no going to happen line got, at all. Well, you just take two central divisions, and what are those teams going to do? Um, that, that's two whole divisions, and I'm not sure yep. what any of them are going to do for the most part. I would be surprised if either of them. I actually would be surprised if if any of them had a big winning streak. But you know, sure. they'd have to be completely hit rock, completely hit rock bottom in most cases in those in those two divisions to just say I'm set. We're selling for sure. I've got to think Milwaukee's going to lean on the seller side. Um, you know, they traded Hater last year when they were, I think, leading the division. Um, or at least in it, and considering the the depth of starting pitching they have, and likely contracts they'd have to shell out for those guys, I've got to think. Uh, considering the lack of starting pitching on the market, it's a good time to sell on those guys. So, um, yeah. As far as anybody else is concerned, I think the Twins might be buyers because they have to be in terms of the kind of the yeah. makeup of that club. But right. everybody else, in my opinion, should probably get rid of as many guys as they possibly can. I don't necessarily disagree with that. I don't know if they think that, but uh, I don't disagree with the Milwaukee thing either. They just lost a home series to, God forbid, the A's. Yeah. To Oakland. Yeah, they lost a home series oof. at home to Oakland. <laughs> All right, Bob. I appreciate it as always. Take care. Okay, my pleasure. Thank you very much. Thanks, Matt. All right, uh, can save some of this other stuff. We'll get to some of the th- a couple other things that I had in the local roundup during the extra point hosted by Kayla from Ten to Noon. All right, next segment. It is a phone. I was phone call time. It'll be the national roundup as we wrap up today's spectacular one-hour sports zone. We'll have a little more on the NBA finals. We'll have an updated. Uh, number actually the total in this game's changed this morning which i have no idea it seems very strange for a game that's been uh posted since friday friday night that the line uh the, the total in this game has gone up a full point this morning i have no i guess i've been i was kind of sort of inquiring as to why and i got no uh, no, no clue because we knew about tyler hero yesterday which i'll also talk about in the next segment 
But a little more on the NBA Finals, also from the uh, Major League Baseball scoreboard. And uh, time pending, some uh, baseball for today. Not a full schedule, but a couple of intriguing matchups. We'll do as much of that as possible in the National Roundup. SB Nation Radio is now Sports Map Radio, keeping sports content fresh and fun. Join us right here on KDUS AM 1060. It's time for today's National Roundup. Welcome back. Final Saturday today's Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 KSLUX HD 2100.7. Topping the NBA postseason latest line. This might be the last game of the season tonight. Denver opened a nine-point favorite. At least that's the first number that I saw after uh, the game uh, four victory on Friday night at Miami. Uh, Denver minus nine. I'm going to use that for an opening line because, as, as, as I said, that was the first number I saw. Uh, the uh, total opened 208. The total's gone up to 209.5. That went up a full point in the last couple hours, which I'm a little surprised about, but I might have an explanation for that in a moment now. Uh, and the uh, the side's still sitting at minus 9. Basically, almost everybody, every place worldwide, about the only place I see differently is the Mirage in Las Vegas has a 8.5 number laying juice, however. Meanwhile, yesterday, the Heat uh, declared that Tyler Hero, who has not played since the first game in the playoffs when he broke his hand against uh, the Bucks, they listed him as out as Game 5 for tonight. However, within the last few minutes, he's been, I guess, upgraded uh, to questionable, so that, I guess, might have something to do with the point total going up from 208.5 to 209.5 in the last hour or so because he's win healthy and win effective is a good offensive player and not much of a defender uh so that he's a you know if you're if you're an over player uh he's probably one of your favorite players in the league so there you go meanwhile from the mlb scoreboard for the weekend the rays won two out of three in their showdown series i don't know if they officially called it a showdown series i'm using that uh, that term right now Against the Rangers, Shane McClanahan became the first 10-game winner in the major leagues, and the Rays won yesterday, 7-3. McClanahan now 10-1 in the season. He allowed three runs. All those were in the third inning, uh, four hits over seven innings. He's uh, the 26-year-old left-hander. He retired the last 15 hitters he faced. Last year, he had a career-best 12 wins on the season and 28 starts. So McClanahan has been unbelievable at home. So are the Rays, for that matter. Uh, he is 5-0 and zero with a 167 run average and seven starts at home. All seven of those are, uh, are Tampa Bay victories. His overall earned run average on the season now sitting at 218. Wander Franco homered uh, for Tampa, which is now 48-20. and 20. Uh, they're 31 and seven at home. Best home start since the 1998 World Series champion Yankees were 32 and six to start the season uh, that particular year. Robbie Grossman homered for the A for the Rangers, excuse me, who are now 41 and two, uh, 23. They've lost three out of four if you count the uh, weekend series at Tampa, and uh, it was a rough uh, outing for Mr. Perez. He uh, pitched a season-low three-and-a-third innings, gave up a season-high, tying seven runs on ten hits. 
His earned run average went from 397 to 467 as uh, his five-game losing strike, five-game winning streak, excuse me, ended yesterday. Meanwhile, the Brewers, as we mentioned in the last segment, swept at home by Oakland. How can that happen? Uh, well, here's how it happened yesterday, at least. Seth Brown and Brent Rooker, back-to-back homers in the fourth inning. And that's the Athletics, not surprisingly, their first uh, sweep of the season. They win, uh, you know, the, yesterday they won 8-6. to six. They, they tried to blow it in the ninth inning. In fact, uh, you know, the Brewers had a couple of chances in the ninth inning to uh, win the game and did not. Uh, since uh, falling 5-4 to four at Pittsburgh on Monday, for at that time their 15th consecutive road loss, Oakland is 5-0 and zero on the road against the NL Central's top two teams. Now, I've been saying for a week that the, weeks that the Athletics are the worst MLB team this century. Uh, maybe not, because the Athletics 17-50, and 50, they're just one win better than the 18-47 and 47 Royals at this point. So we'll see what happens. Meanwhile, the St. Louis Cardinals, horrible in one-run games, 7-15. and 15. Uh, Sunday, if you watch, you go, okay, I understand, because they had more questionable managerial decisions from Ali Marmol. Uh, they had some really bad catching and receiving from Wilson Contreras again, and another just atrocious defensive play from rookie Jordan Walker that cost them at least one run. You can make an argument for more than one run. Uh, unfortunately, Jordan Walker doesn't seem like he can play defense anywhere right now in baseball, let alone minor leagues, major leagues, any league. But he supposedly can hit. We only see that. Bottom line, yesterday the Cardinals lost another one-run game, 4-2-3 to the Reds. All right, that's it for the Sports Zone for today. Stay tuned. Next two hours, it's the Extra Point hosted by Kayla. We'll have more on Nuggets and Heat. And we'll also have more phone call time, among other things. 602-260-1060. This has been the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp.